Hi, welcome to our study of Song of Songs. Today we're looking at chapter 8, the last chapter, Surrendering to Christ. In chapter 5, we saw that she made a mistake. She made a big error, and that is she believed she was saved to be served. And I think this is an error a lot of people kind of go through when they first become a Christian. But then she learned the truth. I'm saved to serve, to do something. Then over in chapter 6 at the end, she thought she was saved to work for Christ, to go out and do the work. But at the end of chapter 7, she learned that I'm saved to work with Christ and to take him with me, especially in prayer, and get out there and do the work with Christ. He, Jesus says in John chapter 15, without me, you can do nothing. So we need to always take Christ with us. Error number three is chapter eight, at least the first half, and that is she's, she thinks we're saved to change the word or adjust the word or dabble with the word. And the, that's far, so far from the truth because the truth is we're saved to follow the word, to obey the word. Jesus gave us the word and we're not to dabble with it, change it. We're, we're here to follow it. And that is a big, big lesson that we've got to get down. And it usually happens to Christians when they're later in, in the years. Oh, that you were a brother to me who nursed at my mother's breasts. She's wishing to be his equal, but she isn't because he's the Messiah. You know, we all wish that we could be equal to Christ because then we can work with the word and we can add our two cents worth. That's not what it's about. If I found you outdoors, I would kiss you. You need to remember chapter 1, verse 2. She wanted him to kiss her. And the word kiss is, is relating to teaching, right? From his very lips, she wanted to be taught. In Matthew 16, here comes Peter. Jesus has just taught that I'm going to be rejected and crucified and killed. And Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turns around and says, get behind me, adversary, is what Jesus says to him. See, Peter, he's seeing that equality there. So the, i got to straighten you out, Lord. You, you don't have the Old Testament down proper. Jesus is going, no, no, no. If you think you're going to be the one that's in control, you're an adversary. You're working for Satan. And as well, she says, no one would despise me either. See, because Jesus taught in Matthew 10, 22, you'll be hated by all because of my name. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And they hated Jesus because he was appealing to uh, tax gatherers and sinners and eating with them and all of that. And she's saying, see, nobody's going to despise me. It's not relating to kissing him outdoors, and it's not a physical kiss anyways. But I would teach it a little differently so that the world wouldn't hate us is is pretty much what he's trying to say here and then also I would lead you and bring you into the house of my mother who used to instruct me but see I've gotten better and now I know more and now I am even smarter so I'll lead you but in Matthew 16 24 if anyone wishes to come after me he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me Christ doesn't follow us we don't change we follow is what we need to do. Then she goes on to say, I would give you spiced wine. This word spiced has nothing to do with spice. It's not the same word. It means to mix, to blend, sometimes interpreted perfumer, which means he's adding different ointments to make that beautiful smell. 
It means to taste better. I'm going to spice your wine. I'm going to spice the word of God. Remember the best wine, John chapter 2? I'm going to spice it up so that it's more palatable for people to drink in. If anyone adds to the words of God, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life. No, no, you're not here to spice it up. I'll spice it up to drink from and and to drink from the juice of my pomegranates. My pomegranates, chapter 5, verse 1, it's his garden. It's it's not your garden. It's his word. It's not your word to be messing with. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. See, she's trying to get up there. And then I kind of hear this coming from her lackadaisically. Let his left hand be under my head and his right hand embrace me. You know, she's just kind of saying that. Wake up. He supports us. He's in control, not us supporting him. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, this is kind of interesting. I was just looking this up. Now she says, I want you to swear, O daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or awaken love until it pleases. This is such a... She, she said this in chapter 2, verse 7, chapter 3, verse 5. But when she said it, she says, I adjure you, daughters of Jerusalem. Now, this word to swear and adjure is the same word, right? But the way she's putting it across, she's saying, I adjure you that you guys do not arouse or awaken love until it pleases. This, is, this you've got to take seriously. But now she's saying, well, I just, I want you to swear, you know, daughters of Jerusalem, do not arouse or lackadaisical, right? I'm sort of in control is, is how I'm, I'm picking up. That's what she's kind of saying right here in chapter 8. Well, I like how the chorus comes in. Because now the chorus says, oh, excuse me, who's this coming up from the wilderness leaning on her beloved? If you're in control, why are you leaning on him instead of him leaning on you? And Romans eleven eighteen. if you're arrogant, and, and that's what I'm picking up from her, an arrogant attitude. It's kind of like, you know, it's, I always see people that have been in the church for 10, 15, 20 years. They're the ones that are saying, you know, we really don't need musical instruments, or we can really have musical instruments, can't we? And why should we do the Lord's Supper every first day of the week? It's usually the people that have been in the church the longer. New Christians, they can say, hey, I don't need musical instruments. And hey, I love doing the Lord's table. It's people who have been in the church a long time. They're saying, let's just adjust. Let's change a few things. No, 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 no. If you're that arrogant, remember, it's not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. Christ is divine. You are what? You're just the branches. Be careful that you don't get clipped. Now the groom comes in. And what's he saying? Listen, beneath the apple tree, I awakened you. You did not awaken me because you were very much asleep. Now, a little side note here. The apple tree is the word of God. We saw it before in chapter 2, verse 3, and, and we know Christ is the word. The tree of life in Revelation is the word used to describe it as kulon. And the word for cross is the same word, kulon, in Acts 5, Galatians 3, 1 Peter 2.4. So it's kind of like the, the tree of life and the cross are both the very much the same. 
it's, it's there at the cross that we have our eyes opened, right? It's here at the apple tree that she has her eyes opened. Matthew 10, 24, the student is not above the teacher, nor a servant above the master. I'm the one teaching you. I'm the one awakening you to spiritual insights. And now you want to change what I've been teaching? You want to take control? It's there under the apple tree that your mother was in labor with you. There she was in labor and gave you birth. It was somebody else brought you in, right? And taught you faith. Timothy, I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and in your... You were just a kid, and then we've brought you along. But it's when you came to Christ that you had your eyes spiritually open. Who do you think you are to start changing that which God has established? Put me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, like, like I am solid, and you need to put me there. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, Having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. We've put, God's put the Holy Spirit within us, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's possession, to the praise of his glory. Put me like a seal over your heart. Go down into the waters of baptism to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to get your forgiveness of sins, and start acting like a Christian. And don't be changing the word. Love is as strong as death. Jesus says to Martha or Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And the one who lives and believes in me will never die. Love is as strong as the love of God is as strong as death. It's going to be with us. Jealousy is as severe as Sheol. And be careful you don't make God jealous because you're going to start going off in a different direction. You must not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Exodus 34, verse 14. And in James 4, 5, Or do you not think that the scripture means nothing when it says, The spirit that God has caused to live within us, the Holy Spirit, has an envious jealousy for us. The Spirit lives in us. He knows the mistakes we're making. He knows what's distracting us. He can't stop us because we have that free will. And He really wants to hang in there with us. And we need to hang in there with Him. So jealousy is as severe as Sheol. You know, you lose it with God, you're gone kind of thing. It's flashes or flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. In Revelation 1.14, Jesus' eyes are like the, were like a flame of fire. Many waters cannot quench love. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. He's made the commitment to us. These words will never change. And that's a sound thing that we can count on. Nor will rivers overflow. Nothing's going to change this. Love never fails. Gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. Tongues, they will see. Knowledge, it will be done away. But love never fails. God is as sure you can count on God from, from the very beginning to the very end. If a man were to give all the riches of his house for love, it would be utterly despised. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, follow me. 
For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will a man profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? What will a man give in exchange for a soul? We are saved. We are not saved to change the word. We are not saved to dabble with the word and change the worship and do that. We are saved to follow the word. We are saved to follow Christ. And that word is going to last till the very end of the world. And we need to understand that and put our confidence in that. And as we get older as Christians, we need to be careful. We don't have a lackadaisical attitude to saying, oh, well, it's okay if we just do this or if we just do that. Jesus made the promise. He married us and he's promised to be faithful to the end. We need to make the same promise and we need to be faithful to the very end of our lives. That's the lesson coming out of the first half of Song of Songs, chapter 8. Thank you.